Welcome in to the Chief Zone. My name is Farzim Vesugian. Appreciate you guys downloading to this episode, making it part of your day. And not a lot to talk about, really just one big topic, and that is going to be Kansas City's 53-man roster. We will get into that in just a moment before we touch on all of that, the roster cuts, the waiver wire, and Kansas City's 53-man roster. want to remind you guys, you guys can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Hit the subscribe button and hit the share button as well. Spread the word, let your friends know about the Chiefs Zone Podcast. You guys can interact with me in a couple of ways on social media. Facebook.com slash Farzim Vesugian. That's my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook and on uh, Twitter as well at Farzim21. Plus send me an email, Farzim at FarzimVesugian.com. Hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend. Uh, my brother and I went to Manhattan, Kansas uh, on Friday that was, I believe. Uh, got to see that for the first time. I've never been to Manhattan. Well, I've been to Manhattan once. That was to cover a KU and uh, in, in a K-State game. That was in 2012, Charlie Weiss's first year. Uh, but never really got a chance to actually look around the city since we drove right back to Lawrence after that. Uh, but got a chance to actually look around. The campus is actually really nice. Uh, I mean, I had very little knowledge of the city or of the university uh, in terms of what the campus looked like. So it was kind of nice to, to look around and, and see the place for a bit. Uh, and... I think I've only been on that road on I-7 just twice before that. Uh, and I saw the Flint Hills for the first time. Great place uh, if you're into scenic views like that. Uh, but when you take a picture, it just doesn't look nice on camera for whatever reason. But definitely great place to see in person. Uh, I never saw that before. Uh, the Flint Hills, that is. But um, very cool to see. So hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend. Uh, hard to believe, but it is now September. Okay, I had to drop that one in there, but it really does feel like New Year's was just a couple of weeks ago. Maybe last year's New Year's felt like it was fairly recent to you, and I mean, time just rolls on. Uh, That's how it goes. I know we have a lot of younger listeners to the podcast. If you feel like time flies fast now, well, I mean, I assume, you know, our younger audience, you might be in middle school or high school. Wait till you're older. I mean, I'm in my late 20s, but I know we have some listeners who are older than that. Uh, you just wait until you get to that point where time really does fly fast, uh, really fast. So it is already September in 2018. Uh, the season starts this week, and before we know it, the season will be a fourth of the way over. It will be halfway through, and it'll be the end of the season, and it'll be 2019 by the time the playoffs start. And hopefully, the Chiefs can get to the playoffs this year. Uh, I know that some people have concerns based on what they saw this preseason. And when you look at the 53-man roster, some positives, some negatives from that. Uh, and, and there are certainly a lot of uh, interesting factors from Kansas City's 53-man roster going into the regular season. So we'll touch on all of that in just a moment. Before we get started on that, I know last podcast I kind of went off a little bit on some Raiders fans because a lot of them jumped on my Facebook page. Uh, I guess uh, the story that I had shared about the rumor that Khalil Mack could be traded for a pair of first-round picks... Some popular AFC West Facebook page shared that, and I guess that rubbed a lot of Raiders fans the wrong way, and I was basically told by Raiders fans that it was fake news, that I'm spreading uh, rumors, and uh, there's no way that Khalil Mack would ever leave the AFC West, and more specifically leave the Oakland Raiders. Um, sure enough, that, that exact thing happened. Uh, the, the, uh, the Raiders traded Khalil Mack to the Bears for... 
multiple first round picks. Other draft picks were involved as well. Uh, but I shared a tweet. I'm sure any of you guys who follow me on Twitter saw this. I, I wasn't expecting this, but I, I didn't even take this photo, by the way. I actually took it from NFL memes, and I'm sure they generally take it from someone else as well. But the uh, snapshot of EA Sports on Madden where you trade Khalil Mack and you can throw in uh, only three picks or players uh, per, per a draft. But I shared the screenshot of uh, Khalil Mack getting traded to the Bears for uh, the two first-round draft picks as well as a third-round pick with uh, the Bears getting Khalil Mack and a... Uh, I believe a second round or a third round pick. I, I don't remember exactly what the Madden screenshot looked like. Uh, but man, that blew up on social media. It really did. Uh, probably one of the probably the most uh, traffic I've had for a tweet. And to be specific, uh, that tweet has 2.9 thousand retweets and more than 11,000 likes on there. Definitely the most I've ever had. I looked at the impressions on this one. It has more than a million of those. Uh, I, I, I put some things on that, that, that have gone viral, but never this viral before. So I appreciate all of you guys who shared that. Uh, uh, if you, if you guys thought I got crap from Raiders fans about the fake news that I was allegedly spreading, uh, you should see the reaction I got from them because of the uh, screenshot I put up there. I mean, that, that, that just infuriated them even more, but uh, we'll talk about this on the next episode. Cause we're not going to do the closing segments on this one. Uh, but that is a big factor there for Kansas city. The fact that you don't have to go up against a guy like Khalil Mack twice a week. I mean, that's huge. Kansas City's offensive line doesn't look like it's going to be very good this season. I, I'm expecting improvement, but a lot of people are not. Uh, that, that, that's a big bonus for Kansas City, especially if it's going to be against a team that you play twice. And Kansas City definitely benefits from that, as well as the Broncos and the Chargers. So, this is going to be very interesting Interesting to see. I mean, John Gruden off to a, a really bad start with a bunch of Raiders fans. And listen, I know people don't like to hear this. Raiders fans and Chiefs fans are very similar in the fact that they're a very passionate fan base and they're always supportive of their of their teams, uh, especially Raiders fans, man. Even, I know during the bad years, Chiefs fans, they're not necessarily supportive, but they do care for sure. They still follow this football team. Uh, I mean, they went out there flying banners and voiced their opinions during the 2012 season, that 2-14 and 14 season. Whereas Raiders fans, they're always going to be supportive and they're always going to show up no matter what. If you remember the Chiefs and Raiders game where the Raiders were winless and they beat the Chiefs in uh, 2014 on Thursday night, that place sold out. It was a packed house at the Coliseum. And, man, I don't know what to tell you, but I, 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 I understand if a player doesn't want to be on your team. But you've got to think John Gruden's word holds a lot of weight. How is it that he let a player like that slip away? And here's another thing too. Le'Veon Bell is not playing for the Steelers right now. And you might be wondering, why does that impact the Kansas City Chiefs? The Chiefs and the Steelers do play in week two. Now, obviously, we're not going to get into detail with that this week. Of course, the Chargers game is going to be the big storyline when we do our preview on Thursday's episode. But that's going to help Kansas City in a big way, you look at how Le'Veon Bell did some damage in that playoff loss that the Chiefs suffered a couple of years ago. Le'Veon Bell was a big reason for that, setting up those six field goals that allowed them to win. So there's going to be a big opportunity for Kansas City to take advantage of some of these uh, losses or absences that other teams are dealing with right now. And uh, look, that, that Le'Veon Bell situation doesn't look like it's going to be solved anytime soon. 
So if I had to put money on it right now, I I, I don't think Le'Veon Bell plays against the Chiefs. I don't. Uh, and that's going to be pretty big for Kansas City's defense. Uh, a defense that has had a very hard time stopping the run. I mean, hopefully they don't have a, a backup who gets all the glory uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. Unfortunately, we've seen the Chiefs in recent years allow backup running backs to just basically have a field day. Hopefully that's not the case in week two. Uh, still a little bit ways away. We'll, we'll talk about that more when the time is right. And we'll have our buddy Max Shetman back on, uh, as he's always been on to preview uh, Chiefs and Steelers games for us. Uh, he's the former host of the Steel Pit podcast. But the crazy things are going on in the NFL right now, and some of these things are actually benefiting Kansas City. Maybe they don't have the greatest 53-man roster, but what's happening elsewhere with other teams, such as the Steelers and the Raiders, you can only use that to your advantage, and you have to take advantage of that and use that to exploit an opposing team's weakness. You you can never apologize for losing, or excuse me, for winning games in the NFL just because someone's injured or or they're missing a player or, or they have a big weakness. You always take advantage. I mean, that's what teams do. That's what they spend a week of practice doing, exploiting their weaknesses, figuring out how they can beat them and how they can expose certain flaws that other teams have and, and you basically execute that and find a way to win. So hopefully Kansas City can really take advantage of the losses of uh, Khalil Mack as well as the absence of Le'Veon Bell, at least for short term it looks like, uh, because it doesn't seem like he's going to play next week against the Chiefs to start off the season. Let's start with uh, who the Chiefs let go uh, as the Chiefs uh, manda- uh, reduced their roster to the mandated 53. And then, of course, with some surprise cuts around the league, some more adjustments were made with the rosters. Starting off with who was waived at first. A couple of surprises here. Jason Morrow, the tight end uh, out of Texas Tech. Big 12 guy, so surely a lot of people were familiar with this name. And I think this is one of those guys that, you know, if Alex Smith was still on the team, maybe we would have seen a little bit more of him. Because Alex Smith was always good with working with tight ends, and I'm sure we're going to see it in Washington as well. But it's hard to see that Pat Mahomes kind of following a similar path. Kelsey's certainly going to do well with him, don't get me wrong. But I think Alex Smith always did a good job of trying to utilize the tight ends that he's had in San Francisco and in Kansas City, even the backups. And I don't know if that's the kind of offense we're going to have in Kansas City. And the reason I say that is because Kansas City is only employing two tight ends right now. One of them is Alex Ellis. Now, as we all know, Demetrius Harris is uh, serving his one-game suspension to start off the season. And once Demetrius Harris is back, is Alex Ellis still going to be on the football team? I mean, unless he has a monster game in Week 1 against the Chargers, it's very likely that his time in Kansas City could be limited. And it could be limited to just that one game until Demetrius Harris is back. Not an exciting an ideal way to start a season for a guy like Alex Ellis, but that's the reality of it. Uh, you are holding on to that roster spot until someone else comes back. That's the reality of it. Uh, but I thought the Chiefs were going to have three tight ends is the point I'm trying to make, even with Harris's uh, suspension to start off the season. And listen, maybe when Harris returns, they still do keep Alex Ellis. Maybe there's something about him they like, and they let go of someone else, maybe an offensive lineman or possibly a linebacker on the team. Uh, not quite sure exactly what they'll do with that. That, uh, That's another thing that we're going to see. Even though they have the 53-man roster right now, obviously injuries take place, but 
when a player returns from suspension or if someone else gets cut along the way, uh, Brad Veach is going to jump on that and try to make those uh, adjustments there in the uh, best way possible. So we'll see what happens after week one when Demetrius Harris is available and returns uh, from his suspension. As far as offensive players go, uh, two surprise cuts on this one, I thought. Uh, one was J.U. Chasson, who the Chiefs drafted recently. He was let go. Uh, Garrick Dieter uh, also was cut, but he is going to be on the practice squad for the Chiefs. And we'll get into Kansas City's wide receivers on their depth chart in a moment. Uh, but I do want to talk about this one because this one I definitely swung and missed on. And that was the David Amerson uh, release. And I, gosh, I've got to say I was really disappointed because... When the Chiefs signed Amerson, I was really excited about this. He's not a name that a lot of people in the NFL know, as far as fans go. But if you follow football very closely, you surely have heard of this guy. And you'll know he's an underrated guy with some of the things that he's done in Washington and Oakland. And Pro Football Focus has had him rated high from time to time. But it just seems like he's slowed down and maybe he's just struggling to return from from injury. I don't know exactly what the case was. I thought being in Kansas City, playing under Andy Reid and Emmett Thomas, I thought that was really going to help him reach his potential. But unfortunately, uh, it only got worse for him. So, and the other thing I I wanted to point out is I mentioned on the podcast. I know a lot of people were discouraged by his preseason, and understandably so. And why wouldn't you be? But I don't know if letting Emerson go was necessarily the right call. And the reason I said that is because you look at who they have at cornerback. You got Steven Nelson, who looks like he's going to be with the team despite suffering a head injury, a concussion during the preseason. You also have Kendall Fuller, who you gave up a lot for, a third-round pick, and Alex Smith. Or, excuse me, just Alex Smith. Uh, The Chiefs got a third-round pick from that. I I take that back. But uh, you've got Orlando Skandrick, not the most exciting addition on the team. Uh, you got Tremon Smith, a draft pick from the sixth round of this past year's draft. And then you have Traverius Ward, who the Chiefs traded uh, an offensive lineman for. Uh, his name, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, but the Chiefs did trade a, a starting offensive lineman, a guy who was at least projected to be a starting offensive lineman for Traverius Ward. And by the way, Parker Anderger, that's the name I was, I was trying to think of. I uh, never really got to see much of him uh, during the time that he had in Kansas City. Of course, last year suffered that injury, uh, and we didn't see him uh, play last year. But uh, the Chiefs decided that it was best to trade him and bring in uh, Charvarius Ward. So here, is, here are the cornerbacks this season, new cornerbacks on the team. You've got Kendall Fuller, Orlando Skandrick, Tremont Smith, and Charvarius Ward. The only name I didn't mention is Steven Nelson. And the reason I omitted his name, four of your five cornerbacks this year are new players. And I'm not quite sure what exactly Kansas City is expecting from this unit. A lot of new faces. Certainly going to be a very interesting start to the season against a quarterback like Phillip Rivers. But when you look at the fact that Ron Parker has returned to the Kansas City Chiefs. And for what it's worth, he's not listed on the depth chart for the Chiefs website or from OurLads.com. Run by, of course, Dan Shonko, a friend of the podcast. The fact is... If you have that leadership, and Ron Parker's been on this football team since Andy Reid's been here, and he was a former cornerback once, so maybe he can help these young guys out a little bit and let them know the the scheme, the defensive scheme, and what they should be ready for. Uh, Eric Berry, uh, Andy Reid talked about earlier in the week 
on Monday how he's not sure if Eric Berry will be available. They're still evaluating him as he is uh, dealing with a sore heel. Uh, Dan Sorensen, of course, uh, placed on IR. Eric Murray, uh, a guy who has a little bit of experience. Armani Watts had a very good ending to the preseason with those two interceptions. Maybe he gets an opportunity to to, to play a lot uh, in week one. Uh, and here's a guy that, that you got to keep an eye on, a, a player uh, who the Chiefs traded for, getting Jordan Lucas from the Miami Dolphins, uh, adding him to uh, the 53-man roster. So the Chiefs have had added a lot of young, new guys to their secondary. And I think this is going to be a challenge for those defensive back coaches, Emmett Thomas and Al Harris, because these are guys who uh, both have played the game at a very high level, both very good when they played, and now they've got so many young guys, so many new faces on the team that they've got to work with, and hopefully they can live up to their standards because this is a defense that really needs help. You, you look at last year and just how weird it was, that the fact that the offense was so great, but the defense was very bad. And it was a complete reverse of how the Chiefs had been in years past. Uh, a a one-dimensional offense and a very good defense that wasn't very good against the run, but always found a way to not let teams light up the scoreboard in the end zone. And the pass rush has always been huge for Kansas City. And secondary-wise, always done a good job of collecting a lot of interceptions. And you look at the situation now... You've got a very thin secondary. You've got Eric Berry and Kendall Fuller, but outside of that, who else can you rely on? I think Ron Parker, Andy Reid talked about him and thought that maybe you know some of the injuries he had been dealing with maybe set him back a little bit, but that's not what he said before. And obviously you don't want to go into why you release certain players unless there's something big or extreme that takes place inside a locker room or out and about in the public. Uh, but certainly never the case with Ron Parker, but Andy Reid did bring that up. Uh, the injuries uh, from last season uh, that he was fighting through. But overall, I think this is a secondary that I'm excited to see because of the additions of guys like Kendall Fuller, Armani Watts, and even a guy like Traverius Ward, who the Chiefs traded, traded for. At the same time, I'm a little nervous because what kind of a front seven are we going to get with this defense? And I think this would be a good time to start on it. I'll, I'll start defensively first. You're starting defensive lineman from left to right. Chris Jones on the left side. Xavier Williams at nose tackle and Alan Bailey on the right side. And Alan Bailey's been around for a long time here in Kansas City uh, since 2011 uh, with the previous regime uh, before Andy Reid and John Dorsey got here. Now, of course, it's Brett Veach in for Dorsey, but... Still been around for a very long time. And then you look at some of the backups on the team. Jarvis Jenkins and Justin Hamilton, your backup defensive ends. And they got Derek Noddy, who uh, the Chiefs drafted with their second pick uh, coming in the third round. So that's the only uh, rookie on your defensive line. As far as linebackers go, starting with the outside linebackers, Justin Houston, D. Ford, no surprise there. Breland Speaks and Tino Passanio. Not a surprise either. Both recent second-round picks for the Chiefs. Passigno from 2017 and Breland Speaks in 2018. And as far as inside linebackers go, Anthony Hitchens, Reggie Ragland. Again, no surprise there at all. I think we all expected that. As far as backup linebackers, I think there were some surprises here. Uh, Dorian O'Daniel currently listed behind Terrence Smith. And Ben Neiman. Ben Neiman's a guy who really did a good job in this year's preseason for the Kansas City Chiefs. One of the better linebackers uh, across the NFL this preseason. So I've certainly earned him 
some bonus points and earning that 53-man roster spot for the Kansas City Chiefs and a guy who you can definitely expect to coming in rotation sometimes for Reggie Ragland and Anthony Hitchens. So uh, hopefully he's a guy who can carry over the success he had in the preseason and provide some of those big plays that he had whenever his number is called. I think overall this front seven, I know it's not your most exciting front seven compared to what you had in years past with Tom Bahali moving on. Of course, he started to decline. Dontari Poe, of course, uh, did not, didn't come back last year. So you look at some of these guys that you have on your front seven. You've got some notable names here. You've got Chris Jones. Alan Bailey at one point was a stud. Maybe not the defensive end that he was before. Maybe he can go back to that role at some point. Uh D Ford, of course, the guy we we saw what he did in 2016, and we thought that this is finally his breakout season. But then he just went silent after the midway point when Justin Houston was unavailable and Tom Bahali wasn't producing a whole lot. Uh, and of course, Justin Houston, I, I know he he did some good things last year, but it wasn't the Pro Bowl Justin Houston that we all know and love. So this is a 53 man roster. Looking at the defensive side, you got some good, but you've also got some question marks. What kind of a Justin Houston are we going to get? What kind of a D Ford are we going to get? Everyone wants to be optimistic and say that Justin Houston is going to be in his 2014 form, but we don't know that for a fact, and it's always hard to live up to that type of form again in your career. It's a very difficult thing to to, to live up to. But if Justin Houston's a guy who can get double-digit sacks, and if D Ford can come close to that, and hey, if he hits a double-digit sack mark, Great, I, I, I'll take that. Certainly a big factor that'll uh, make a difference on Kansas City's defense. You're going to have a secondary that's going to get a lot of takeaways this year. And at the end of the day, with your secondary, I think the Chiefs have an average secondary for now. Steven Nelson, I did not like what we saw from him last year compared to what we saw from him the season before in 2016 as a nickel corner. was was very good in that spot. Uh, not very good. Uh, from what we saw from him last year. And hopefully with that experience, he can learn from that and do better filling in for Marcus Peters and what we all thought was going to be David Emerson. And now it's going to be Steven Nelson. Uh, Orlando Skandrick also brings a lot of experience with him. So maybe he eventually gets that role if Steven Nelson struggles and plays opposite of Kendall Fuller at that left cornerback spot. But this is a uh, this is a, a secondary that... You know, you've got some experience with guys like Ron Parker, Eric Berry, Orlando Skandrick, and then you've got some young guys who do have the potential too. Guys like Kendall Fuller, who's who's played very well, Steven Nelson, uh, and a guy like Armani Watts, who a lot of people are excited for and think that he can make some big plays. And, and of course, don't forget about, uh, as I mentioned earlier, trading for Ward, trading for Lucas. Uh, those are guys who Kansas City obviously believe in and gave them a roster spot. And surely they, they feel good if they traded uh, to get those guys. So we'll see what happens with that secondary going into the start of the season. They'll they'll be tested right away. Uh, I mean, your, your, your first two quarterbacks that you're going up against, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. You can't have two bigger tests than that. I mean, sure, you could say Tom Brady, I guess, but uh, I mean, those are two big top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I know Phillip Rivers, uh, Chiefs fans don't want to say a lot of good things about him. They don't want to give him the praise, but the truth of the matter is, even during the bad years that the Chargers have gone through recently, Philip Rivers has always been one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, and 
if the Chargers do play well, he could easily be one of the guys who leads the NFL in passing yards. Let's switch over to the offensive side of the football because I know a lot of people are excited for this unit. There are a lot of great things, a lot of things to be excited about, and there are some things that might make some people nervous here. I'll start with the quarterbacks. Pat Mahomes, starter, Chad Henney, starter. Matt McGloin was on the 53-man roster, but then he was let go uh, to make room for someone else, likely Ron Parker. I mean, who knows exactly what the direct correlation was with that release. Chase Litton on the practice squad maybe gets promoted to the 53-man roster at some point. Uh, But for right now, the only two quarterbacks you have on there are Pat Mahomes and Chad Henney. And I won't really go much into the de- detail with that. I think we'll talk more about Mahomes as we talk about some of the skill position players. Uh, I do want to talk about the running backs. A lot of people were curious how this is all going to play out. Obviously, Charkandrick West was let go. Unfortunately, he was also let go by the Jets. And Kerwin Williams was let go. So your running backs in Kansas City, Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware, Damian Williams, and then Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams, the undrafted free agent who the Chiefs picked up after the draft and... Uh, a guy who they they definitely think can can do some things. And you look at Damian Williams. This is a guy who filled in a lot when Jay Ajayi was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. So he has a lot of that starting experience with him that he can bring in, as well as Spencer Ware. So you've got a very experienced group of running backs. So if an injury does take place, and hopefully it doesn't, because we saw what Kareem Hunt did last year, of course, leading the league in rushing. But if an injury does take place... You've got two guys in Spencer Ware and Damian Williams who have both filled in when needed to and did a good job with their uh, unexpected roles as starters midway through a season. So uh, always be ready for the unexpected, and that's why you have a 53-man roster. That's why we have a depth chart. And the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you got to give a lot of props to Brett Veach on this one. Uh, this is an area where he definitely built a, a lot of depth and made sure that the Chiefs were set for this one. And I know a lot of people might criticize that and say, why couldn't he put that effort for the cornerback position? And I think the reason for that is, one, the availability not there for Kansas City. But here's the biggest factor. Whoever Andy Reid has at running back, they always excel and, and do great. We saw it in uh, Philadelphia with Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy, and then here in Kansas City, Jamal Charles. Yes, he was already a great running back. He was even greater under Andy Reid. And when he goes down, Charkandrick West and Spencer Ware had really good seasons. Now you add in the fact that you've got a guy like Kareem Hunt, a rookie that was drafted in the third round out of Toledo, a guy who no one ever heard of going into that season opener last year against New England and, of course, had a monster game destroying the New England Patriots defense. And now you've got some guys who have some starting experience in that backfield. So Kansas City's definitely set at that running back position. Anthony Sherman, your fullback, no surprise there at all. One of the better fullbacks in the NFL. As far as wide receivers and tight ends go, I I mentioned the tight ends with Travis Kelsey and Alex Ellis, so I won't get too detailed into that. But as far as the receivers go, Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill are your starters. No surprise there. Chris Conley, your backup and likely your your slot receiver your primary slot receiver and DeMarcus Robinson is right behind there anyone who's listened who's listened to me long enough in the past year at least you guys know my thoughts on DeMarcus Robinson I think he's a guy who's very talented he's shown some flashes in a couple of preseasons and he's shown some flashes in in the regular season as well playing behind a lot of guys but now he's got an opportunity and again if there's an injury that takes place he'll have that chance to prove himself in uh 20 20- 18. And by the way, 
it is worth noting uh, regarding the, the no- jersey numbers for it, and, and I know I got mixed up with this during that Falcons preseason game. Watkins is going to wear 14. That is the number Robinson had last year. Robinson is switching to 11. So keep that in mind uh, when you watch the Chiefs this season. I'm sure you guys have noticed that if you saw in the preseason. I didn't mention that before. Uh, and I mention that now because sometimes players do change their jersey numbers after the preseason. If you remember DeAnthony Thomas, he wore number one in the preseason, his rookie year, and then switched to 13. Not sure why that was required, but nonetheless, uh, that was the case. Something odd, speaking of jersey numbers, not a single Chiefs player has, uh, I mean, they're all uh, below 20. Tyreek Hill's 10, Sammy Watkins 14, Conley 17, uh, Robinson 14, Kemp is 7, and, and Dat is 13. The only guys who have uh, a number in the 80s, Travis Kelsey and Alex Ellis, and Demetrius Harris is 84. So it's only your tight ends, uh, which generally you never see. You see a lot of tight ends, or excuse me, a lot of wide receivers uh, with the 80s. Uh, so I don't think I've ever seen that before. Chiefs uh, with... Um, Numbers in the teens or below. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that before in uh, Chiefs history. So it's just something I noticed right now looking at the roster spot. But speaking of the Anthony Thomas, he's, of course, on the team making the roster. Going to be, of course, a kick returner for the Chiefs. The thing about the Anthony Thomas is we've seen flashes from him on offense. We've never seen it at a a consistent level. And I think the reason the Chiefs are being patient with him, two reasons. And I mentioned one of them already. One is he's an asset on special teams. The second reason, under Andy Reid's offense, speed is an important thing. You see that with Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey's arguably the fastest tight end in the NFL, and maybe Demetrius Harris is right behind him in that category. Chris Conley, a lot of speed. We knew that about him coming out of the combine. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, he was the fastest wide receiver, or in fact, the fastest player out of anyone in his draft class in 2015. Demarcus Robinson has showcased his speed at times. De'Anthony Thomas, we know about his speed. So the Chiefs know that there is a potential for him to make some explosive plays, whether it's on a trick play, handing the ball to him, or throwing it at his direction, and he can definitely do some damage. We saw it last year. Uh, I can't remember which uh, game it was against, but he had that touchdown on the sweep, and then when the Chiefs were trying to rally in that Pittsburgh loss last season, uh, he scored the touchdown to pull it within one possession, uh, juking a defender here and there and running more than 50 yards, if I'm not mistaken, to the end zone. Uh, and that's why the Chiefs have kept him around is because of his playmaking ability as an offensive player. So definitely one guy to to keep an eye on for sure this season and to see if he can make any progress uh, now that he has been in the league for a few years now. Uh, one of the guys who the Chiefs will rely on more so. And you, you look at who the Chiefs have had. Sammy Watkins was drafted in 2014, as was DeAnthony Thomas. Uh, Chris Conley drafted in 2015. 2016, the Chiefs uh, drafted Demarcus Robinson and Tyree Kill. And Marcus Kemp also on the roster as a wide receiver. He was a free agent uh, in last year's draft. So the Chiefs didn't go after anybody uh, this year. Of course, it was on all-defensive draft. Uh, with the exception of Kalum McKenzie, who switched over to the offensive side. But this is going to be a very interesting group. A lot of people are excited to see Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill. And the options go beyond that. You have viable targets in DeMarcus Robinson, Chris Conley, and DeAnthony Thomas. So this might be one of the best wide receiver 
corpse you've got in the league. It's just going to be a matter of how does Pat Mahomes utilize all of these wide receivers. We hear about his cannon arm, and I think Tyreek Hill gave a quote during the uh, preseason or in training camp that with Pat Mahomes as your quarterback, you never want to break stride. You always want to run full speed whenever he's throwing the football because he'll always place it at the right spot. The problem with Pat Mahomes, as we saw in a couple of preseason games as well as in the offseason, his decision-making. That's been uh, the Achilles heel for the Chiefs this offseason so far. Some of the decision-making uh, from Pat Mahomes. And look, with that comes experience, I think. And that's a big reason why last year I was hoping the Chiefs would have traded Alex Smith last year and let Pat Mahomes take the reins. Because if the Chiefs went 500 or, or was were just a little bit below or a little bit above that and missed the playoffs, and if Mahomes had, what, 15 touchdowns and... 10 picks as a rookie, I think you could take that, learn from that, and see a better result this year, whereas now, that rookie learning curve is happening now. Sure, he's a second-year player, technically okay, I I, I get that, I'm not saying he's not a second-year player, but experience-wise, he is a rookie. I mean, that's the truth here. He played five preseason games last year, the four actual preseason games, and and then a week 17, uh, I've said it before, let's just call it how it was. It was a game that had a preseason feel to it. Yes, the Broncos played a lot of their starters for a majority of that game, but that was just a terrible season for them, and they all wanted to pack their bags and, and go home for the offseason and just get that season over with. That's what that was for Pat Mahomes, and still did a great job. I'm not saying you take any credit away from him. He played a phenomenal game. No touchdowns in that game. We're still waiting for his first career touchdown in a regular season game, but you know there is that possibility where Sure, maybe he struggles early on. Look at some of the pass rushers who the Chiefs are going up against in the first few weeks. I've said this before. For anyone who, who, who's listened uh, closely this offseason, there are going to be a lot of difficult defenses out there. And Pat Mahomes will definitely be tested. You guys know my prediction. I think Mahomes does struggle in the first four games of the season with who the Chiefs are going up against. And after those four games, after that first quarter of the season, you learn from that and take everything piece by piece and... Learn from it going into the second quarter. If the Chiefs come out of the first quarter of the season 2-2, two and two, I'll be happy with that. Preferably, they're winning against divisional opponents. Uh, I mean, I would take that more than those non-divisional uh, games because those definitely make the biggest difference makers in winning a division and making the playoffs. But as far as his learning curve goes, I'm nervous because we are in an era today where... With social media, everything is is magnified by a hundred, and everyone wants to see instant success. No one's going to be pleased with early failure, and if that happens, I can already see it coming. Chiefs fans are going to talk about drafting a quarterback next year with the first pick. I know Pat Mahomes in the preseason; he's made some people kind of weary, maybe on edge a little bit. I don't know how much of that is just the preseason, as, as a lot of fans like to say during the struggles, or how much of it is just practice from what we've heard about uh, his interception woes in training camp and in OTAs. Hopefully it is really just that preseason overreaction. I'd love for it to be nothing more than that. I, I would love for that to be the case and for the Chiefs to go into Los Angeles and we see Patrick Mahomes j- just have a field day against the Chargers defense. 
And of course, we'll break that down later on. Uh, but that's going to be the big thing. The the supporting cast is there. You've got playmakers at wide receiver. You've got a playmaker at tight end. You've got viable options at running back and a very good fullback in Anthony Sherman. It just comes down to the last position group we've yet to break down the offensive line. This is what makes me nervous the most. I'm expecting improvement, but man, I mean, there were some things that I saw in the in the preseason that I, I, I just can't say I'm very excited for. Mitch Morse, a guy who the Chiefs took as an offensive tackle in the second round, or of course, also a, a Mizzou product, as a lot of fans are familiar with him. Phenomenal rookie season for Mitch Morse, but since then, he hasn't been the same Mitch Morse. If you remember... Uh, after uh, week one, his rookie year, he was the highest rated center by Pro Football Focus among all centers in the NFL. You look at the left side of the offensive line, Eric Fisher and Cameron Irving. The right side, LDT and Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz, one of the more uh, respected right tackles in the game. And LDT, I think a very underrated guard who the Chiefs extended last year, uh, one of the uh, big moves Dorsey made before his termination. As far as backups go, we all know about Khalil McKenzie. He's listed as a left guard for now. Uh, the Chiefs picked up Ike Botker from Buffalo off waivers. Uh, Jordan Devey is listed as a backup center. Brian Witzman, also playing behind Cameron Irving, a uh, former Dallas Cowboy, who was with the team last year and played uh, some games as a starter. Uh, and also Andrew Wiley, uh, a backup tackle. Behind Eric Fisher could also switch on the right side when needed. Uh, look, my thing with this offensive line, Eric Fisher, he's had some great moments and he's had some really bad moments. Cameron Irving, I thought he did some good things coming in uh, as a role player uh, with the offensive line last year when the Chiefs traded for him. I know he didn't do very well in Cleveland, but I thought he did some good things as a backup last year, filling in when he needed to. And then you've got Mitch Morris, who... I feel like he's declined uh, as his career has gone along. Not an ideal way uh, to use a, a center like him. Uh, but hopefully he can show improvement this year. I feel like it can only go up after last year. And then you've got LDT and Mitchell Schwartz. And I think the problem is, you know, we, we become so critical of offensive linemen. Because I think in Kansas City under, under Dick Vermeil, we were so spoiled with that offensive line there. Will Shields, Willie Rofe, guys who are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and uh, you've got Casey Wigman and, and and Brian Waters, guys who may not make the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but uh, could at one point they could be nominees at, at some point in their uh, post careers because uh, they were both Pro Bowlers at one point. And then you got John Wilburn as well, who uh, you know I think he was overshadowed because of all the other guys he was surrounded by, but he did some great things as well, and they helped guys like Larry Johnson, Priest Holmes, Trent Green. Uh, giving them the time they need to to throw or paving the way for those running backs that I mentioned. Uh, and, and you just don't have that that muscle anymore up front with this offensive line. So I think we were so spoiled by that last decade, and we look at what we have now. Uh, Ten years later, after all of those guys uh, you know, went in their own places, Brian Waters stayed a little bit longer. Uh, but this offensive line, obviously uh, a complete opposite of that. And I think that's why we get so critical of this offensive line is because of what we had at one point. And... This is gonna be this is gonna be the, the 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 key factor here. What kind of a performance are we gonna see from this O line? If they play well, if they give Mahomes the time he needs it, and listen, Mahomes has gotta help the offensive line as well. 
stepping up in the pocket when he sees the tackles uh, moving very quickly and try to fight those edge rushers. What are we going to see from this offensive line? And when you look at who you're going up against with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, is a really good front seven there that LA has. If they get to Pat Mahomes, boy, um, I mean, we, we could see the start of what could be a big sack total for the Chiefs. But if the Chiefs do well to start off the season and can keep Mahomes' jersey clean for the most part, maybe this offensive line is going to be better than we think. They're going to be tested early. So if you want to, the, the, the thing I'm going to keep an eye on the most for week one, Kansas City's offensive line for the offensive side of the football. And as far as the second, or the defense goes, how is that secondary going to do? And can they benefit from get, getting ill-advised passes forced with that front seven there? Basically the entire defense, because there are so many new faces. And I know that sounds like a cliche thing to say. It's kind of an easy thing to, to, to pick from the defensive side, but that really is the truth. I think people just tend to forget pass rushers can really make a big difference for a defense. And you look at Jared Allen, I think he's a great example. Jared Allen was traded to Minnesota. Minnesota's defense got a lot, or, or yeah, their defense got a lot better. Their secondary played well, and that's because they got to the quarterback more, something they didn't do before Jared Allen got there. And when he got there, the Williams uh, linemen, the, the, the Williams duo up front, that, that made a big difference as well. He made them better because opposing offensive linemen had more to, to be ready for. So I'm curious to see how this all pans out uh, on the offensive side of the football uh, with that offensive line. I think that's the only big question mark I have on that side. As far as defensive uh, side goes, boy, just the, just the pass rush. If I had to limit it down to one big thing, Justin Houston and D Ford. I think those two guys really hold the key to success for this defense. And if they if they're successful. If, they, if it's similar to what we saw with Justin Houston and Tom Bahali in 2013, this defense is going to be very good. I'm not banking on that, but I'm hoping D4 can at least be an average outside linebacker and Justin Houston can return to his Pro Bowl form. And I think that alone will help this defense uh, in a big manner. It'll go a long way. It'll bode well for those uh, players in the, in the secondary, for sure. I don't want to touch too much on this, but as far as special teams goes... As expected, Dustin Colquitt, your punter, Harrison Butker, uh, kickoffs and, and field goals. James Winchester, your long snapper, Colquitt, again, assuming their responsibilities as a holder. As far as return duties go, Tyreek Hill is listed as a punt returner with Dat and Traymond Smith right behind him. And as far as kick returns go, you've got Dat and Traymond Smith listed on there. And of course, I'm sure they'll use Tyreek Hill in urgent situations, maybe late in the fourth quarter if the game is tied or if they're trailing by one possession, and they need a big kick return there. They'll sure they'll insert Tyree Kill, who's arguably the fastest guy on the team, maybe the fastest in the NFL. So that's what you have on special teams. Overall, on and all, overall evaluation, I think Brett Veach has done the best that he can do. Maybe there are a couple of guys that he could have gone after to make some improvements here and there. But listen, people forget this is a business sometimes. There's a salary cap issue. There there are so many factors that go into these kinds of things. And for Kansas City right now, the time to win is now, for sure. And look, people want to criticize the Marcus Peters trade. And listen, I think this is an opportunity to really do something special. If you had... If Pat Mahomes lives up to the hype, 
And if you had the defense prior to 2017, this is a team that's more than capable of going to a Super Bowl, for sure. And listen, I, I do expect the Chiefs to make the playoffs. I think if I had to give you a win total, I would say 10-6. and six. Same as last year. And I think last year was kind of disappointing because of the middle of the season, how the Chiefs lost so many games uh, in that stretch right there, losing 5 of 6. Started the season off with 5 wins, ended with 4, and then they won 1 just in the middle. So hopefully they can show some consistency because they probably could have won more games and maybe could have had a first round by to start off the season. Not that it made a difference in 2016, but you'll always take the the home playoff game or, or, or the bye week more times than not. For sure, every single time, in fact. But you've got pro bowlers in all three facets on on your team. You, you, you do. Harrison Butker probably should have made the pro bowl last year, but... He was, of course, not on Pro Bowl ballot since he joined the team late. Uh, but you know Tyree Kills, uh, a Pro Bowl return specialist, uh, looking offensive. And Dustin Colquitt's been known to be one of the better punters out there as well. Uh, offensively, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, those guys have uh, the ability to be some of the best at their positions. Travis Kelsey, we know, is one of the best tight ends out there. Kareem Hunt, uh, of course, one of the best players at his position, led the league in rushing last year. Uh, offensive linemen, LDT and Schwartz, I think those guys are Pro Bowl caliber linemen. You look at the defensive side, Chris Jones, I think, has the possibility to make his first Pro Bowl finally. Uh, Justin Houston and D. Ford have the opportunity to return to their top-notch forms uh, if they're able to. And then in the secondary, we all know about Eric Berry, Kendall Fuller. I don't know if he's going to be recognized as a Pro Bowl type of player, but maybe he has that potential to be one of the best at his position still. So you've got some top-notch players across the board. You really do. And I think Hitchens and Raglan, that's going to be a very underrated inside linebacking duo going into the season to start. Uh, I'm very excited to see what those guys can do as they they, they were really good against the Rush last year. Uh, not so much in the preseason. We didn't see them much in the preseason. In fact, just one game. But hopefully those two guys can uh, can do some damage together. They they had a full off season together. Mortal Raglan Hitchens joined right after free agency got underway. Uh, but there are a lot of talented players across the board on all three phases. And there are some tiny spots here and there that could impact the Chiefs either in a good way or a bad way and the only time will tell we'll find out this week when the Chiefs and the Chargers kick off their seasons Sunday in that late afternoon slot to start off the season hope you guys enjoy this episode of the Chiefs Zone podcast appreciate you guys downloading listening subscribe to the podcast on iTunes share it with your friends let them know Interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzine and Like my page on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Plus my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Our preview episode, the first preview episode of the season, that will be out on Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. That will be released and available Thursday morning. And of course, we'll have our Chiefs game on Sunday. Uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to do a Facebook Live yet. Uh, I mentioned my concerns with that. Fans don't really join the Facebook Live videos when the team wins. And when they lose, everyone's showing up because they have things to say about it. I'll give it a test, more more likely than not, this Sunday. Um, maybe at halftime I'll do it. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, my goal is to keep them shorter than I did last year. So we'll see how all of that goes. Uh, but I'll still give it a shot at halftime and after the game. We'll do a trial and error type of deal to start off the first couple of games. And after that, I'll make a, a, a more 
solid decision as the season goes on. But we'll we'll likely do Facebook Live. I enjoyed doing that last year. I know you guys had a lot of fun with that. I just want it to be consistent. I want everyone to show up, win, lose, or draw. So I'd uh, love to do that. A lot of fun. Uh, and hopefully we can keep that going this season. Appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday when we preview the Chiefs and the Chargers.